Good evening and welcome to another episode of Audie's Oddities. As always, my name is Audie, I'm going to be your host, and I'm here to tell you about the spooky shit that is in our world. Listen, I know we've been talking a lot about murders recently. Don't worry, we're gonna get into the conspiracy theories next week, I promise. But for today, I really wanted to talk about an insane case that I have watched unfold for years. I think we all have. I wanted to talk about the case of Abigail Williams and Liberty German, or Libby German. These two girls were only 13 and 14 years old when they were found brutally murdered off of a hiking trail in Indiana. Now, we have a lot to get into about this case, so let's just buckle up, okay? So, as I said before, Abigail and Libby were only 13 and 14 years old around the time of this murder. The day that the girls went missing was actually a makeup snow day, so they just had the day off and were having fun as little girls. Apparently, Libby had gone and asked her mom if they could go and do something fun, but the mom just didn't have time until later. So then she went and hassled her older sister to take them to the park so they could go hiking. The sister says, sure thing, I can drop you off on the way to work. So at about 1.35 in the afternoon, Libby and Abigail are dropped off at this park. Now, the reason that they wanted to go hiking at this park is because there's an abandoned bridge and it's really popular for teenagers and the locals just to go and take photos. And it's like one of those old railroad bridges that's really high off the ground. We're not talking just a small six foot bridge or something. At 2.07 p.m., Libby posted a video on Snapchat of Abigail walking across the bridge. And in the far distance, you see this man walking towards them. And that video was the last that we ever heard from Abigail or Libby. Now, the girls were supposed to be picked up by Libby's father around 3.15 that day. And we know this because there was a phone call from Libby to her dad right about when they left the house to go hiking. So he tries to call the girls a bunch of times and obviously they don't answer. So he starts walking along the trail and asking people if they've seen them. When he runs into no luck, he notifies Libby's mom, who notifies their sister, who notifies Abigail's mom, and it's a whole manhunt. Two and a half hours after they were supposed to meet her father, they end up filing a missing persons report. I'm just going to correct myself right here by saying it was actually Libby's grandfather picking them up, not her father. So my bad. So police started searching that night, but as it started to get dark, they decided to continue the next day. So the next morning, they go out at the crack acid dawn, and unfortunately by noon, their canine units discover both of their bodies. And these girls were only about half a mile from the bridge where they were originally supposed to be. And to this day, details about their murders have never really been released publicly. Not that I think they should in most regards, but in this scenario, police often turned to the public to ask for help in identifying the man from the Snapchat video. Later on, they recovered Libby's phone from her remains, and they found an unposted Snapchat video of that same man, but much closer. You can see that this man is wearing some kind of baseball cap and a hoodie on top of it with this dark navy colored windbreaker jacket and dark jeans. The same day that they find their bodies, the police put out a sketch to the public. This is the sketch that would be referred to as the newsy cap man or the news cap man, but he looks like any mid 40 year old man. So on February 22nd, police release audio from Libby's phone. It looks like this was another Snapchat video, but she was only facing the camera downwards as she was walking, so you can't see anything, but you can hear a man say, down the hill. 
And these two videos of this man are about 15 or 20 minutes apart, which leads police to believe that these girls were probably getting a bad feeling about this guy as soon as he started walking towards them. And that's why Libby kept recording. Now, police have confirmed that there was more audio and video pulled from Libby's phone, but that they're not going to release it because they feel that it will, quote, compromise the future trial. Now, I understand why police do this, especially when an investigation is still going on, mostly to get unbiased opinions and also to be able to select a jury much easier. But police also put out a $40,000 reward for anybody who had information about this case. With no more leads, on July 17th, police sent out a second sketch that looks nothing like the first sketch of the man. This sketch is apparently from eyewitnesses around the hiking trail. Now, this eyewitness is only 16, and the fact that she remembers all of this at such a young age is good on you, girl. But she says that she was standing in her group of friends and noticed this man walk by them and said a quick hello, and this man said nothing but gave her a look that she said, quote, scared her. I also get scared when a man looks at me, so I get it. And when she gave a description of the man, it perfectly matched the description of the man in Libby's video. And at this point that she gave the statement, this video of the man had not been released to the public. We actually get another witness who claims that she saw this man enter the trail from the neighborhood that it's connected to. She says that she was walking her dog when she saw him and it was kind of the same scenario where she attempted to be polite and the man just gave her like a menacing look. And let me tell you, as a female, you definitely remember those people. You remember when men give you a scary look like that, especially in your own neighborhood or town or somewhere that you feel comfortable in. So we have a witness who went hiking at about 1.50 that day, and she claims that about 1.40, 1.45, when she's on the road to go park, to go hike on the trail, that she passed a car, but when she parked, there was no one else in the parking lot. But when she was on the trail, she noticed the man from Libby's video standing on some sort of platform. Now, I couldn't find out what this platform was, if it was a platform connected to the bridge or nearby it. But it definitely seems like this trail has a bunch of different little abandoned places like this old train bridge. We also have another witness who says that she actually walked past Libby and Abby when she was walking back to her car. So on April 22nd, the second sketch of the man is sent out publicly, officially. And the police are encouraging locals to listen to the voice on the video, watch the videotape of the man, and look at this sketch and see if they can come up with anything. Listen, if the police are asking the locals to look around like this, then I feel like they know something that they're not telling us. The police also distinctively tells everyone to analyze the man's walk in Libby's video and then match it so that you can call the tip line. So don't you dare not look at this man's strut before you call it in. I'm sorry, we're taking a hard left real quick, but I just need everyone to know that I just took the biggest swig of creamer by a mistake out of my iced coffee because I forgot to stir it. And it was horrible and I just needed everyone to know that. We also learned from another witness that a vehicle was left near the park, not in the parking lot it was supposed to be, just parked in this kind of random spot. And the reason that the person noticed and remembered this vehicle was because it was parked in a really awkward way to where you couldn't see the license plate. Around July 23rd, police were looking at another suspect who was actually sitting in jail for a kidnap and rape in another county. But unfortunately, before the police could talk to this man, he ended up committing suicide in jail. 
And I don't think we talk about enough how often that happens in jail and prison. Honestly, if you guys want me to do a whole video on people who have committed suicide, supposedly, in jail and prison, I will do that. So this case remained open until 2022. And in October, a suspect was finally taken into custody. And only two days after being taken in, he appeared in court and was charged with two counts of murder. He did plead not guilty, but his trial doesn't take place until a year later. So he gets to rot in jail for a little while. And I'm okay with that because I'm pretty sure this man did it. So at this point in time, we didn't know the man's name because the lawyers were really trying to keep it under wraps so that way the public didn't come for him. I don't think you guys understand the amount of internet sleuths that were on this case. There was five whole years where we had no idea who this man was. We didn't know what happened to these girls. We have no idea how they passed still. The one thing that we do know about them is that one bullet was found in between the two girls' body, like on the ground. So I'm assuming that that was possibly the way that they were killed, but we're not sure. So according to the court document, there was more footage on Libby's phone than the police were letting on to. Apparently there was footage of Libby mentioning this man having a gun when he was walking towards them. And in the same video, you see the down the hill part that we talked about earlier. So I'm totally taking this from like crime shows and I'm just making an assumption. But I know that in shows like Law & Order SVU, they actually won't release details of the murder. So that way when someone comes in for questioning, if they tell them something that they haven't made public, they know for a fact that that person would have had to be there. So I'm going to safely assume that that's the same thing in real life. So that's probably why we didn't hear about this 40 caliber bullet being found in between the two girls. But the reason that it's important now is because this man owns the same gun. Also, by the way, we finally learn his name at this point. His name is Rick Allen. Fuck this guy. After the name Rick Allen came out, one of the witnesses came forward to say that she saw Rick Allen walking out of the park. She says that he was walking away from the bridge and just happened to be covered in mud and blood. And he was wearing a dark blue jacket and jeans. Y'all, this wasn't the kind of park that you just go and hunt in and you get covered in blood easily. Either this man was injured and casually walked past help, or he was walking past with the hope that they weren't looking at him. Also, remember that car that was parked really funny so you couldn't see the license plate? Yeah, he owned that same model of car. And apparently this guy was a suspect all the way back in 2017 when this happened. He admitted in police interviews to being on that trail for about two hours during the times of the murders. He also tells them in 2022 that he definitely went to the bridge and was definitely wearing jeans and a dark jacket, but he just went to watch the fish. You guys, if you look up photos of this bridge, I don't think you could legibly see fish from this height. Unless they are actually at the surface and you are feeding them and you have binoculars, I genuinely do not think you would be able to see that. AKA your alibi is shit, dude. So on December 2nd, the judge officially ordered a gag order, which if you don't know, a gag order is basically just to keep all of the stuff that's going on in court out of the public eye. But that was only until January 2023, because then the attorney tried to motion to move the entire trial out of that county and possibly that state, just based on concerns that jurors were going to be biased due to what the attorney describes as excessive media attention and the highly publicized nature of the case. Now, I understand where he's coming from. You want to give the jury a fair shot, whatever. But 
I feel like this case is to the point that almost everybody knows about this case in some capacity. And him wanting to move it out of the county makes me believe that Rick Allen was a member of the community. Which was kind of what they were going after all along in the past five years, was saying that somebody close in the community was just hiding under their noses. Because this was a really small town that this happened in. It was like a population of a thousand people or something. Now, Rick Allen's trial is actually set for later in 2023, so we won't know until then. But I do want to talk about some of the theories and things that I've heard around this. So one of the theories surrounding their murders involves a YouTube account called Anthony Shots. Now, Anthony Shots was one of those classic catfish accounts. It was this like 20-year-old kind of greasy guy who was posing as a hot model to talk to young girls. And I'm not saying young like in their 20s, I'm talking about children. Well, this account was talking back and forth with Libby the night before she was murdered. So this man ends up getting convicted on countless child porn, all, all the horrible things that you could possibly think of involving kids for this guy to do, he did. But rather than take the blame for Libby, he actually points the finger at his own dad, who is not Rick Allen. Now, I couldn't find the dad's name, and because Rick Allen has already been arrested and is on trial for this, I don't believe that it was this man's father. But I do somewhat believe that possibly Libby was talking to somebody on Instagram or another social media website and had said that they were going to meet with them at this bridge. And maybe who showed up wasn't who Libby thought was going to show up. And we also know that it's not the man who runs the account of Anthony Shots because his cell phone pinged at his grandparents' house over 40 miles away within the hour of the murder. So there's no way that he was in the park. And he has a rock-solid alibi on top of all of that. So what seems kind of weird to me is that police have never released any of the audio or video from Libby's phone. Now, keep in mind what I said earlier about them keeping the details of the murder secret. I totally understand that, and that makes sense. But they've already put out so much audio and video from her phone, and we know that there's more on there. The problem with there being so much on there is that they actually told Libby's parents that that was the only videos, was the one that they released to the public. But then months later, these other videos and audio recordings come out and Libby's parents are like, what the hell? So if we have these actual videos of this guy, why is it taken five years to arrest him? Unless he was a local that the police knew. And until the end of the year, that's pretty much all we know about this case. But what we do know is that this guy was local and you cannot make me think otherwise. At request of Libby's mother, the community has started putting up orange lights at night. People put them out on their front porch to commemorate the two young lives that were lost and also to remind people that this murder is still at large. I just want to follow up with a couple questions that I asked myself while going through this case. One of them being, this was in 2017, why wasn't there an Amber Alert sent out for these girls? Now, I'm not actually sure if Amber Alert happens anywhere else other than America, but in America, an Amber Alert is something that is on everybody's cell phone. Where a child goes missing, an Amber Alert is immediately sent to your phone, letting you know that there's a child in the area missing. The reason that they have this is because of a little girl named Amber who unfortunately passed away because police could not get to her in time because they didn't tell the public. So when I did research looking into why an Amber Alert wasn't called, I actually found out that the parents did request one and that the state police turned them down. 
The police claimed that they had enough descriptive information to help find them and that there was no belief at the time that the girls were abducted or in serious danger. Could we just maybe send it out anyway? Is it that awful for people to be looking for a missing child when they are still missing? Even if the girls just ran off, wouldn't it be better to find them and know that? So this kind of brings me back to what I was saying before that maybe the police knew this guy and was somewhat helping him out. Now this is my own personal opinion and the facts that I have to back up my own opinion is what you just heard in this episode. So if you think differently, that's your life, girlfriend. So until the end of the year when the case file is officially open for the public to read, this case is still going to be a mystery. And trust me, as soon as we know something, I will talk about it. Thank you so much for joining me. If you enjoy listening to these cases, make sure to follow me and hit that notification bell so you get told whenever I post a new episode on Mondays and Thursdays. As always, my name is Audie and this has been Audie's Oddities.